The Dow hit a record high. Steady. The economy. Oh, we got your back, Jack. Make a great plan, man. Oh, real McCoy, Troy. Our three cents for free. The options to pick, Nick. You need to discuss much. You got the key, KC. An exit strategy. Welcome to Our Three Cents. I'm Troy Harmon here with Casey Smith and Nick Antonucci, and we have a guest today. Uh, as always, we're going to be talking about business strategy and planning, and uh, uh, we have on the line none other than Jim Crone. Jim is a uh, uh, insurance specialist, and we talk to him quite frequently on our other show, Money Talks, but uh, Jim Crone, are you there? I am. Good to be with you guys. Yeah, good to have you. Uh, Jim, you got a couple of designations, the Certified Fund Specialist, and yes, I said the D this time. Usually I leave that out. Not to be confused with the Certified Fund Specialist. Fund, that's what I usually call him. I can only envision a a big guy like Jim in a uh, floppy shoes and a clown outfit, Um, (laughs) you know, maybe even a bright red nose. Uh, Making balloon animals for kids' birthday parties? (laughs) Yeah. I don't think that's what it is. Is it, Jim? Well, I paid good money for it, so I can play that card however it needs to be played. <laughs> Whatever good, good outfit answer. you good need answer. to wear, right? Uh, Jim That's also right. is a uh, has a, a clue, a man with a clue, a C-L-U. And uh, what, uh, what what does that stand for, Jim? I'm not even going to attempt it. It's, uh, yeah, that one is a Chartered Life Underwriter. And again, I went through several courses and paid good money for that one, too. So. Yeah. I, I, I mean, had to pay for both of them. Anybody who's ever had a designation, that's going to be the, the common throughout, I paid good money for that designation, <laughs> yeah, right? That's right. Yeah. That's, that's a key. It gives you some right. education and training and, uh, and a bill at the end. But uh, anyway, so, uh, Jim, we do have some questions. I know KC likes to run through them, so I'm going to leave this up to him. But uh, there's five Ds that we uh, try to deal with in uh, in exit planning, at least. KC's... Yeah. Uh, CP, a CFP, and a CEPA, right? That's Didn't right. Didn't miss anything, right? No. So, I'm getting uh, lost certified. in all these letters, guys. Uh, uh, well, Nick's got a few I've got, I've got initials on the front and the back end, so right. it's all... <laughs> you're right. You're, <laughs> you're Mr. Initials. That's right. Uh, they call me Abominicious. right. That's an awesome joke. Uh, and and uh, Nick has a uh, CEPA as well, right, Nick? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Did I miss anything? Have you gotten anything since I last... CVA. CVA, that's right. CVA, I, a designation I also hold. Certified Valuation Analyst and uh, Certified Exit Planning Advisor, right? That's right. That's it. Yeah. Um, so, uh, guys, let's let's talk a bit about uh, some of the risks and uh, how to manage them uh, in business, and especially using insurance, since we got our insurance guy on the line. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with, uh, as we always say on this show and and on Money Talks as well. You know, exit planning is really just good business strategy, right? Uh, and part of managing a business. Is, is setting it up so that you're mitigating the risks that are associated with that business. And Troy mentioned the five Ds. Those are death, disability, divorce, distress, and disagreement. Uh, I know that at least at least a couple of those can be mitigated away with some insurance. So, right. Uh, and, and that's, you know, a topic that we've talked about numerous times in our previous episodes is if these situations occur, 
how can you be sure that you have the funding in place exactly. so that things transition not only in an efficient way, cost-effective way, in a way that you're you are sure that the right people are coming into uh, you know ownership. Yeah. Right. So, so with with death, I mean. Uh, if, if you have partners, that's when uh, it's probably the absolute best to make sure that you've got uh, some insurance in place. Uh, Casey, is there other disability, I would assume? Well, as well, I mean, Jim, I guess, why don't you walk us through some of the common applications yeah. for insurance and how that applies to, you know, funding a buy-sell agreement and uh, just how do, you, how do you find it best to use insurance to mitigate some of these risks? Yeah. Well, I think one of the first things to assess in any given situation is the fact pattern of the business, right? So I guess the, the lower number of partners in the neighborhood is say more than one, less than five, that creates one set of dynamics. And then when you're talking, you know, move up scale from there to higher volumes of business and higher number of uh, individuals that creates maybe a little bit of a different category. So I think for the first framework, I'll spend a, a lot of the attention that I found in working with business owners over the years has been in that you know two to three business owners, maybe even up to five business owners. Uh, I also have experience on the other side of that, higher numbers involved. But for the most part, um, the answer to uh, mitigating the the death risk in a you know two to three person uh, organization in terms of ownership uh, is actually somewhat very simple and straightforward. Most often, the the simple answer is term insurance, and in that arena, you can range anywhere from ten year term as the basic minimum, all the way up to say twenty or thirty year term. I find I find in talking with these owners, a lot of them, uh, frankly, are happy to lock in a low number, uh, even just addressing it for maybe a 10-year period. And if, if the things have done well for that first 10 years, they can re-up it, re it and, and potentially uh, address it again in a, another two years. Others might take the approach of locking in a longer term. Uh, but what I'm finding is most folks uh, are shocked at how inexpensive term insurance can be to lock in and, and nail down that, that issue. Uh, the only other factor I would layer in here is it would be important in terms of uh, matching ownership of the policies with the operating agreement. So that's important to evaluate upfront. Um, you know, if you have the, if the operating agreement says, you know, uh, owner A is going to buy owner B and vice versa, that's very straightforward. And maybe the best way to handle that is they buy individual policies on each other. If you're getting a little bit more advanced in terms of numbers of the people involved, it may be a different approach where the entity would actually be owner of the policies because the operating agreement says that the entity would actually buy out so-and-so shares. Um, but that, you know, at the short answer for Mitigating the risk, uh, the the one that is probably most often used is term insurance. Gotcha. Well, well, what about um, disability? I mean, that's another pretty big risk, and in fact, I guess statistically more likely than than death is that you would have a, an owner that's yeah. disabled. Um, is that is that the same kind of concept? You want to have just 
simple disability type coverage or uh, what's the best way to go yeah. about that? Well, I wish I could say disability is simple. I've not ever found that walking down into that path of disability insurance, it just sort of opens up a whole different set of circumstances. But you're exactly right, Casey. Uh, the risk, I mean, if you look at it statistically, you got a heck of a lot higher chance of somebody becoming disabled, maybe because of an accident or even because of an illness. Um, and those actually become a lot more uh, relevant, prevalent, and need to be addressed, in my opinion, um, at the same time that you're talking about these other issues that you've just brought up, the bigger things. Um, in terms of the options that are available, um, they have specialty products that um, would um, provide benefit to an entity that uh, in the event that you know one of those individuals has a disability, again, because of either an illness or an injury, um, we want to make sure that the company is made uh, is being uh, remunerated because if if Timmy or or Sally is unable to perform in their duty, and that is a definite detriment to the company, uh, we they got to figure that out, right? That, that's part of what a disability benefit can provide is allowing for that entity to continue um, so that they can move on to whatever that next step is. But that's where, um, you know, disability insurance is a great avenue, and I definitely believe that it needs to be part of that whole conversation. Too many times I've found people are happy to address the uh, life insurance piece, it's more straightforward. It's more simple. Yeah. Uh, but I think the combination of looking at the life insurance issue as well as the disability, and what I think you're going to find is uh, expense-wise, it's not that much more expensive to manage that risk as well. Gotcha. Well, the the other the other uh, D's on our list: the divorce, distress, disagreement. Those are things that are a little more complicated obviously you know we've talked on this show a lot about having a, a buy sell agreement or, or the operating agreement that addresses these issues is very important um, Jim can you talk a little bit about how whole life or, or cash value insurance might play into potentially managing some of those risks in addition to um, what sure. we've already talked about with death and disability sure um, I think um Maybe just broadening the topic just a little bit, um, you know, insurance, uh, you know, maybe away from the pure risk factor, which we've already talked about in term insurance. You know, one of the other great values of life insurance, uh, moving now sort of on the other end of the spectrum of products to uh, permanent products, and there's a whole litany of Whole life is one option. Variable life is a different option. Index life, you know, universal life. Those are all, you know, um, more tailored to the to the risk factors of the company involved. But I do see a lot of companies viewing life insurance as an asset to be held on the books, and it can be uh, a range of topics that is viewed by the company as a way of saying, okay, well, we have this unique asset class. It is tax favored because the growth of anything inside the life insurance policy in a permanent product will grow tax free. Uh, there is access to those dollars um, 
on a tax-favored basis as well, assuming you keep the contract. So when you start getting maybe under the uh, idea of using it much more as an asset class by the company, it can sit favorably. And when something comes up where you do have a a short-term need, you can draw on those in terms of a loan. Uh, It's a much more favorable way of accessing dollars. Um, We've even seen, even in a broader context, where we use um, the pool of assets sitting on the books of the company to actually fund non-qualified benefit plans. And that gets into a different degree of really tying these pieces together so that you really target some of that ownership or the key personnel of the company and saying, hey, we value all of what you're doing for this company and we're going to make sure that we give you something over and above your regular compensation. But the asset class sitting on the books of the company is in the form of corporate-owned life insurance or uh, business-owned life insurance. Uh, And it it can come in many flavors, but that's certainly one of those avenues that we can uh, do a lot more uh, conversation about and then show some some, uh, actual values and see how they're compared to whatever else they might have access to as a corporate asset. Yeah, I mean, it sounds to me, Jim, like the insurance arena gives you just a lot of different options and flexibility to tailor, you know, the the policy or, or how you're structuring that either f- for a number of different factors. It doesn't just have to be about the risk of death or disability, um, but you can also use it to incentivize key employees and, and create sort of a, a compensation package. Um, and so it just drawing on that for a short-term cash need or whatever the case may be, it just gives you a lot of flexibility. Um, It it does. I would say maybe one caution is uh, I have found too many times uh, people sort of, hey, we can do the the catch-all. We'll use insurance as this uh, one-size-fits-all. And what I would caution against is, that approach. Um, what I found is maybe a better answer is be very intentional about what you're doing with regard to insurance. If we're going to focus on just covering and mitigating risk, we have tools and products that allow us to do that. Uh, and if we want to move down maybe on the other end of that product spectrum and go into using it as an asset on the books, for a specific purpose, maybe designated uh, for non-qualified benefit purposes, and maybe adding uh, you know, a pool of funds for emergency use or what have you, uh, that also needs to have a very intentional approach to it. Um, too many times, I guess I've walked into situations and they sort of do the one size catch all and they wake up a few years into the product thinking, Boy, this really isn't doing what we intended it to do. And, you know, just to, to piggyback off that, Jim, you know, KC, when we went through the SEPA curriculum um, and when we work, walk someone through the exit planning process, a lot of times one of the early steps is identifying the risks in the business. Yeah. And I think that goes hand in hand with this. A lot of people just think it's identifying inefficiencies in the business, but it's a lot more than that. It's identifying, you know, should you lose an owner, the transitioning of the business, um, key man, yeah. things like that. So it's really important to, as Jim said, you know, 
not just assume one policy fits all your needs to identify exactly the individual needs that your business has and and you can tailor uh, your insurance products towards that specifically. Yeah, exactly. I think identifying what your risks are and then looking at the options from whether it's insurance or or another risk mitigation strategy uh, to to help solve for that problem. But Jim brings up a good point about being very intentional about what you're trying to solve for and, and when you're selecting the the, the best product or, or option to use for for covering that risk. So, all right, guys. Uh, if uh, anybody needed to get more information on this, they can give us a call at Hensler Financial. Our number seven seven zero four two nine nine one six six. Jim, we appreciate you being with us, and uh, we thank you for listening to our three cents. You just need to commence, gents. Make a great plan, man. A real McCoy and Troy. Our three cents for free.